Good evening and welcome again. We're glad that you're here tonight. To those who are visiting, we welcome you. We want you to, we want you to know, as Thomas said a minute ago, you're an honored guest. We'd love to have you come back and be with us. It might be the case that you're looking for a church home. And in that, in that case, we want to invite you to consider the work here. We would love to have you come and join hands with us and help us to make known New Testament Christianity in this community. We're going to be looking tonight at Exodus chapter 5, and we're going to be talking about the hardening of the heart. Last week in our study, we talked about Moses and the call of Moses, and as you well know, God used him as a great leader and later lawgiver of ancient Israel. And so tonight we're going to be looking at chapter 5, and specifically we're going to be talking about the heart of Pharaoh. And so I want you to carefully consider with me this lesson. I know that there are a lot of folks that have difficulty understanding what the Bible has to say about a hard heart. And the ramifications of that. And so tonight we're going to look at some verses. And we're going to use as a case study Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. I want to begin tonight as we think about the hardening of the heart by calling attention to the fact that based on what is recorded in chapter 5, Moses and Aaron are going to stand before an unbelieving king. Now, as we talk about and think about the hardening of the heart, I would remind all of us that Solomon said many, many years ago to keep or to guard the heart with all vigilance. He said, for out of it flow the issues of life. So as we think about an unbelieving king, there's a statement made by Pharaoh, and it really sums up the sentiments of this point. He said, I do not know the Lord. I want to begin by calling attention to the fact that Pharaoh was defiant to the person of God. Listen, if you would, at what is recorded in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. A couple of thoughts here. First, Pharaoh asked the question, Who is the Lord? We have looked at Pharaoh and the fact that God's people had settled in the land of Goshen, became a mighty nation of people, they would find themselves in Egyptian bondage, and they would be slaves in Egypt for some 400 years. And afterward, as God had promised in Genesis chapter 15, He would bring them out with a strong hand, and He did that. And He would later do that, as is recorded in the book of Exodus. Joseph became a light for God in a pagan land. You recall in Exodus chapter 1 at verse 8, the text says that there arose a new king in Egypt, 
that knew not the Lord. The idea is he didn't know the God of Joseph. And so when this Pharaoh or this king asked the question, who is the Lord? Obviously, he is unaware of the God that is the one true living God of heaven and earth. And so he asked really what might be called a profound question. Who is the Lord? Did you know that God has revealed himself to those of us that live here on planet earth? There are two ways God reveals himself to mankind. The first is through creation. When we step out and look at the handiwork of Almighty God, we can tell that there was an antecedent cause to this universe. It didn't just appear or happen. But rather, God in heaven spoke this universe into being. Centuries ago, the psalmist said, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. God has revealed himself to us by creation. When we look at the sun, the moon, the stars, the handiwork of Almighty God, we can tell that there was a God that brought this world into existence. The psalmist in Psalm 33 said, by the, word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The second way that God has revealed himself to mankind is revelation. We today have the luxury of having scripture. 66 books, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. God has given us His, will, His revealed will. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul said, All scripture, every scripture is inspired of God, and thus is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 talks about how God had given unto him revelation. And he said he took that revelation and wrote it down in a few words whereby we might read and understand the mystery that had been concealed but now later revealed. So God has revealed himself to the human family. And God will reveal himself to Pharaoh through Moses and Aaron. Joseph, as I mentioned a moment ago, was a light for God in a pagan land. Well, Moses and Aaron are going to stand before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Not only is this king going to have the opportunity to hear the word of God, but he's also going to see the great wonders of God. God is going to bring upon Egypt ten very specific plagues. Each and every plague directed at one of the pagan deities of the Egyptians. And really, in those great wonders, Pharaoh should have recognized that there's only one God. And then there is an affirmation made by Pharaoh. He said, I do not know the Lord. First he asked the question, who is the Lord? And then he affirms, I do not know the Lord. In the latter part of verse 2, there are a lot of people in our world today 
And they know a lot of interesting facts and figures. They have lots of information at their disposal. Some have gone to the finest universities our world has to offer. And yet, when it comes to the God of heaven, they know, they know very little, don't they? I think about people that know a lot about astronomy, but they don't know the one that made the sun, the moon, and the stars. The psalmist in Psalm 8 exalts Almighty God. And he said in the long ago, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the sun, the moon, and the stars, you see, Almighty God is the one that brought this world into existence. There are a lot of people in our world today. They know how, as we would say, to make money. They have a green thumb, and it's not with plants. They have the ability to make a lot of currency, to make a lot of money. The problem is they don't know the Christ. They don't know the Son of God, the Anointed One. There are others that know medicine, and I'm grateful for people that know a lot about medicine and helping people. The problem is they don't know the great physician. And then I think about people that know politics. There are a lot of folks in our world today, they live and die by politics. They're caught up in politics. That's all they think about. And yet they do not know the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's incumbent on us to know the Lord to know Him to the extent that we have fellowship with Him. As John would say in 1 John chapter 1, he wrote to those people in the first century that they might have fellowship with Almighty God and with His people. There's a second thing I want to call attention to. Not only was Pharaoh defiant to the person of God, but he was defiant to the plan of God. Listen again to verse 2. Back in verse 1, God had instructed Moses and Aaron to go and stand before Pharaoh and to say to him, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. In verse 2, the Bible says, Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Here was a king that balked at the purposes of Almighty God. Think about it for a minute. God had prophesied hundreds of years earlier that His people would be strangers in a foreign land. They would serve these people for some 400 years. Afterward, He would bring them out. God had a plan and a purpose for the nation of Israel. His plan, His purpose to use them as a vehicle to bring the Christ into the world. That's why He called on a man by the name of Abraham to become the father of the Hebrew nation. And God had said to Abraham, "In you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. God would run that seed line through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, later through the family of David. And so we have the calling out of Egypt his people, and he's going to use his people in a mighty way to redeem the world from sin and unrighteousness. So here's a pagan king in a pagan land balking at the plan and purpose of Almighty God. 
Well, you can't override the purposes and plan of Almighty God. Not only did he balk at the purposes of God, but the text tells us he burdened the people of God. Note, if you would, what is said. In verse 5, Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not diminish it. For they are idle, therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on, on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. Pharaoh didn't understand who he was dealing with. Pharaoh is going to find out that there is a true and living God. I want you to think with me now in the second place of an unmoved king. And really, the sentiments of this found in chapter 7. When the Bible says, on behalf of God, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. A couple of things I want you to see in this. I want to just read for you the first seven verses of chapter 7, and then we'll make some comments. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you. Aaron, your brother, shall speak to Pharaoh that he must send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I'm the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Then Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded them. So they did. And Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83 years old, when they spoke to Pharaoh. Now down in chapter 7, verse 23, the text will tell us concerning Pharaoh that his heart was hardened, or rather, neither was his heart moved by the miraculous that was performed before him. In verse 15, following the second plague having to do with frogs, the text again says that Pharaoh saw that there was relief. He hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. A couple of things here. On the one hand, you have the Bible saying that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. On the other hand, there are passages that say he hardened his own heart. So is there a conflict? How do we reconcile the two? Is it the case that God arbitrarily hardened the heart of Pharaoh? That in some capricious way, God said, you know what, I'm going to harden his heart. I don't think that's the case at all. I think there are a couple of things that maybe we ought to consider in light of this. The heart of Pharaoh's problem was indeed his heart. First of all, he refused to listen to the word of God. Now, if you go back and look at chapter 5, here are Moses and Aaron, and they're standing before 
Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And here's what they say. Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, let my people go. Pharaoh had the opportunity to hear what God had to say about his people. God wanted his people to leave Egypt. And yet Pharaoh refused to listen to the word of God. Is it not the case that there are people today that refuse to listen to the word of God? If we refuse to listen to what God has said in his word, we're in serious trouble. Well, why is that the case? Think for a minute about what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39. He said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. He would say, these are they which testify of me. But he said, you will not come to me that you might have life. The Jews, by and large, refused to listen to the word of God. In John chapter 6, you remember Jesus identifying himself in verse 45 as the bread of life, that living bread that had come down from heaven. Jesus, in that context, affirming himself to be that living bread. The Bible says that those who were present, many of those who were present, said this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Who can understand it? And John said in verse 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So Jesus then asked the twelve, will you also go away? Simon Peter spoke up and made this statement. Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of life eternal. Let me ask this question. If we refuse to listen to this message which is the Bible. What of the message is going to come down the pike that will have the ability to save us? The answer, there is no other message. There is no other law. This is God's final, final law. It is, as we say, the last will and testament. Of Jesus. If we say we're not going to do what God has said or outlined in this book, we're in a lot of trouble. And so Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of life eternal. He went on to say that we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. There are a lot of folks in our world today. They mock and ridicule and laugh at the Bible. Some would say that this is nothing more than a book of fiction, fantasy, fairy tales. There are some that look at what is recorded in this book and they despise it. The bottom line we either accept it as truth, as God's last will and testament, or we reject it, as Pharaoh did in the long ago. Not only did Pharaoh 
refused to listen to the word of God, but he refused to learn from the wonders of God. I want to just call attention to some passages. I mentioned a moment ago that God, through Moses and Aaron, demonstrated ten signs in Egypt, ten miracles. Each and every miracle directed toward a pagan deity in Egypt. When you look at the account or the record, you'll see that Pharaoh had some interesting responses to the various plagues that he saw or that were done before him. I want you to look with me for just a moment at chapter 10. In chapter 10, we have the account of the plague of locust. And as you're turning to chapter 10, let me just say this. The king had the opportunity to see some of the marvelous works of Almighty God, the marvelous wonders of God. And yet here's the point. He remained unmoved. In other words, the miracles, the wonders that were done should have testified to him. This is the true and living God. But rather than being receptive, he resisted these miracles. And so in chapter 10, the Lord said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh, for I've hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I have done in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. When God used Moses and Aaron to perform the miraculous, it was evidence that this is the one true living God. So in verse 3, the Bible says, Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Note the term humble. We talk about Pharaoh resisting the word of God and the wonders of God. And now here, Moses and Aaron standing before Pharaoh, and they're saying, look, you haven't humbled yourself before the God of heaven. And then the request, let my people go that they may serve me, or else if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. Now drop down and look at verse 12. In verse 12, the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, all that the hell has left. And the text says that Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt. The Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locust. The locust went up over all the land of Egypt, rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locust as they, nor shall there be such after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened. They ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hell had left. And then the text says, So there remained nothing green on the trees of the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, in verse 16, we have insight into the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh calls for Moses and Aaron. And he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. 
Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. Now, here you have Pharaoh. He sees this great sign. God has performed time and again, sign after sign. Now Pharaoh asks God for forgiveness, stop the locust plague. God does that, and what happens? Goes right back to his old ways, doesn't he? Refuses to let the people go. I want to ask you this question. How often... Do we sit in the services of the church and we listen to the word of God? We talk about all the miracles that were performed in the first century, the fact that they gave credibility to the message that was proclaimed. They authenticated the Christ, that he was who he claimed to be. We listen to the word of God and just like Pharaoh, sometimes our hearts are stricken with fear. Because we realize that our lives are out of harmony with the will of God. How many times do people sit in the services of the church? They listen to the word of God as it's preached. They listen to what God has said about eternity. And they think, you know what? I've got to change my ways. I've got to get my life right. I'm going to make some changes. Just like Pharaoh. I mean, look at Pharaoh. Pharaoh is asking God for, for, for relief. God sends relief. What happens? He goes right back to his old ways. There are a lot of folks that come through these doors. I have no doubt. They sit in those pews, and they say to themselves, I'm going to make some changes. I know my life is not what it ought to be. I know that if the Lord were to come, I'm not right. If I were to die, I'm not going to heaven. I know that. They leave here concerned, fearful, acknowledging they're not ready for eternity, have lunch, go back to their old activities, and before you know it, guess what? Forgot all about it. Got all about it. Let me tell you what, it happens all the time. There are lots of folks, just like Pharaoh. They hear the word of God, they see the evidence. Pharaoh saw firsthand the mighty power of Almighty God. You think he's going to change? You get the impression he's going to change, and then what happens? goes right back to his old ways. Scripture says in John chapter 12, speaking of Jesus, and although he had done many, might, many mighty works among them, they did not believe in him. There are a lot of people. There were a lot of people in the days of Christ. They saw his miracles. 
They heard his words, but they didn't believe in him. There's a passage. Let me just call attention to a passage in Ephesians chapter 4. While you're turning to Ephesians chapter 4, let me just say this. The text says that God hardened Pharaoh. Then there are other verses that say Pharaoh hardened his own heart. How do we reconcile that? There are certain spiritual laws at work, sowing and reaping. If a person chooses to ignore the will of God, the word of God, if a person resists the teaching of God's word, over a period of time, the heart becomes hardened and calloused. And God will allow or permit that hardening to occur. In other words, God allow. If a person says they're not going to live for him, God's not going to make that person live for him. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul talks about the Gentiles. He instructs the Christians in Ephesus not to walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity or futility of their mind. He said, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardening of their heart. Then look at verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to licentiousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. That expression, past feeling, means to be so injured that one is not bothered by the implication of what one is doing. The idea is that a person becomes calloused, dead to feeling. In other words, they lose a sense of right and wrong. You remember in 1 Timothy chapter 4 when Paul talks about the Spirit speaking expressly that men shall depart from the faith and he talks about having their conscience seared or branded with a hot iron? What happens? Those nerve endings lose that sensation. All Paul is saying is we can allow we can allow our heart to become so calloused and so hardened, there's no feeling there. And so, in that case, we're beyond hope. There's a passage in 2 Peter chapter 2 where Peter talks about those who have eyes full of adultery. And he said, they cannot cease from sin. Think about that. Here's somebody who has gotten to a point in time in life of their own volition. They can't change. They're beyond hope. Now, is God interested in the souls of people? Absolutely. Was he interested in Pharaoh? I think he was. Pharaoh, however, chose his own course, his own fate, so to speak. Pharaoh had the opportunity to learn from the Word of God and the wonders of God. And here's what he said, I'm not interested. I want to ask you a question tonight. How's your heart? Solomon said to guard it. He went on to say, in Proverbs chapter 23, 
as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. What about your heart? Hopefully and prayerfully, when we read, when we study, when we listen to the Word of God, our desire, our goal is to do what God says, to be submissive to his will. Pharaoh was unmoved, wasn't interested. The only thing he was interested in, his own well-being, his own welfare, his power. One day we're going to stand before God. When we stand before him, the only thing that's going to matter, will we write? Were we living acceptably in his eyes? I want to, I want to plead with you tonight. If you've been thinking about becoming a child of God and you haven't done that, today's the day. Don't wait. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, today's the day of salvation. The danger in delay, death, second coming of Jesus, the hardening of the heart. The longer you say no, the more difficult it becomes to yield your life to the will of God. If you're unfaithful, the same thing is true. The longer you stay in the world, the more difficult it will become to extract yourself from that way of life. There are folks in the world that are members of the church and they look at life as one big party. They've forgotten about their allegiance to God. And here's the sad thing. Some may not find their way home. One of the reasons? The heart no longer moved by God's word. So if you haven't obeyed the gospel, do it tonight. Do as they did on Pentecost. Repent, be baptized for the remission of your sins. If you're unfaithful, come home. Don't wait. I know how people think. Here's how we think. I've got time on my side. Don't know that. Won't you come as we stand and sing?